You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live Portraits, featuring intimate, in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood stars and influencers. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live Portraits, Dario Kristen. Hey everybody, you're watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits. I'm your host, Dario Kristen. Here joining me in the studio today is Courtney Stewart. Hello. And DJ Jesse J. What up? And our very special guest that we will be interviewing today, you know him as Neil Winters on Young and the Restless. Christoph St. John is in the house with us today. Hey now. What's up, Christoph? Hey, today only I'm going to be DJ K-Stoff. Hey. DJ K-Stoff. Hey. Jesse J. Like K-Stoff. I like that. We're going to take You come to Black Hollywood Live, you get new names. Sweet. I like that. Street credibility, all that stuff. Nice. Thank you for that. I appreciate you it. Like that? Yeah, I do. For sure. Come to Black Hollywood, we'll feed you grape soda. That's my man, Jimmy. Uh, the, my, my man, Jimmy Freeman, PR for yes. the Young and the Wrestler. Yes. You know, he's, we got him on the grape soda. He's really black. I mean, yes. but he's white, but he's really black. As soon as he saw the grape soda, you told me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, yeah. he officially became a black man. Right. Now, now, now is this anywhere like bridging on... What was the comment that Sergio made to Tiger Woods? That was uh, fried chicken. What oh, are you yeah, going to have? What are you going to serve? Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, now, yeah. it's okay for black people to, to joke about yeah, fried chicken and grape soda. But yeah. as soon as white people or even Sergio, a uh, Mexican dude, a Latin dude, says something, it's not all right, right? You're right. It becomes a little, yeah, it becomes a little, a little suspect, a little sketchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. all about the delivery, I guess. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Right. Well, thank you for joining <laughs> us. You know, we were saying that so many people are excited that you're coming into the studio. I mean, you're like, you know, royalty. Legendary. You're like black oh, royalty. You are. You know Come on, man. Oh, Courtney, you are I like you. You are 22 years. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, come on, go. No, no, no. Please. Stop it. Stop it. No, please. Stop give me a little more. Give me. You and Drusilla. Yeah. You and Drusilla. I mean, everybody knows that storyline. 22 years. on one of the hottest soap operas. I mean, and your storyline literally everyone knew about. And first of all, congratulations for that. I mean, you've been on there since 1991. Thank you. And what we want to know is, uh, you know, we know about the sex symbol, Christoph St. John, Mm -hmm. Neil Winters that you are today. But you grew up in Connecticut, (laughs) born in New York, grew up in Connecticut. That's right. What were you like as a kid? Uh, I had a big afro, like I still do, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I cut it around the sides now. Um, You know what, I left... Connecticut when I was four, and uh, ultimately moved with my dad and my stepmom to uh, the West Coast, to California. Yeah. And so uh, I was getting into trouble a lot. I was a little liar. I was a thief. I got to be honest. I, and, and but I lied. I lied just because I lied. Yeah, I, okay. I just you know, my parents would ask me, "Did you take that off?" That no. Of course I had. I was a kid who, did you eat the peanut butter? It was all over my mouth. No. <laughs> but um, I, I stole because my parents were, were hippies, and they, they went from meat eating one day to total raw foods. Not oh, cooked no. foods, raw oh, foods my. the next. Not raw meat, total vegetarian, raw foods. So at five, six years old, I was stealing. I was stealing wow. food. I, I would go to, like, you know, first grade, second grade. And I'd be the kid who would, while the kids were out in the playground, I'd go into the lunches. And I would steal. I was good, man. I would steal <laughs> cookies from one person and then a ham sandwich from somebody else and then some chips so no one would know. You had a full but, meal. But the, wow. I had a full, a full meal. meal. That's right. Hey. Meal deal. But then I finally got <laughs> caught, okay, because 
I started stealing whole lunches. <laughs> oh, and yeah. third grade kid named greedy. Bud. Yeah, I got greedy. Yeah, kid man. named Bud. I was, I was eating out of his lunch sack. I didn't even change the sack out. He came up and he said, hey. Is that my sandwich? I went, no, that's not. That's my sandwich. And then he said, that's my that's my paper bag. And sure enough, B-U-D was <laughs> right on his lunch. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So, but it was like no, re- no reason of why you did it. You just were just doing it. Oh, no, I was hungry. He's hungry, okay. man. Oh, yeah, I wasn't getting fed at home. Okay. So okay. I, I got beat up at school for, for stealing all the lunches. This was at Point Doom School in Malibu. So if anybody from Point Doom is watching, hey, I'm sorry I stole your lunches, but they were good. And then I got beat when I got home because yeah. I was supposed to be a vegetarian. So, yeah. so that. did that ever change for you? Um, yeah. I like, mean, did your parents ever say, okay, we can't be forcing this on you? Or? No. No. Oh. no. Our house was strictly no meat, um, and it lasted all the way through. My parents divorced when I was about 17, or they separated anyway. And uh, once I turned you know, 18... I was eating burgers like they were going out of style. <laughs> I think I ate, I got up in the middle of the night to eat a burger. I was like, steak and, I'm eating me. Damn it. But uh, no, man, I, I'm a vegetarian now. I tried being vegan. Most of my life I've been vegetarian. So. Okay. Now, you come from a family of, of talent who were actors as well. Yeah. Did that help you in your process of uh, getting in the business, or did you feel a pressure as a young kid to get into the business because your parents were involved? Uh, there was no pressure whatsoever other than auditioning. And my dad, who uh, he starred in Shaft, he hit the, the streets of New York and, and started working on Broadway, then starred in Shaft, then wrote a film called Top of the Heap, which he directed and starred in. That was the reason why he came to the West Coast. Um, I wanted to be like Dad. When I saw that my dad was on the big screen, and you know, I saw his R-rated film, Top of the Heap, when I was very young. And... Uh, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Other kids, you know, fireman, doctor, lawyer. My dad was an actor. I asked my dad at the age of seven if he would teach me how to act, and he did. His wife, his ex-wife, my stepmom, Maria, classically trained in England, incredible, talented actress. She also taught, taught me. Um, I was a, an exceptional reader, and so half the battle when you audition is going in and being able to articulate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fear was more about the audition process. You know, and, and as a kid, you have less fear as an adult. Now I go in, and I go, uh, uh, what do you want me to do? You know, because it's just what happens. It's, just, it's a confidence thing. Yeah. You know, that's all. So, yeah. you, so as an adult, you felt like it got to be where you were more fearful in auditions versus sure. being younger? Well, sure, because as a kid, you don't really know what's at stake. I mean, as a kid, I didn't have the bills to pay. I didn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't that's taking true. care the of pressure. that. The yeah. pressure. The pressure. different. Right now, it's like there's, you know, it used to be when I was a kid, I'd audition against five, six of the same kids all the time. Todd Bridges was one of them. And now as an adult, I'll go in against, what, 30, 40 people. I mean, people coming from all over the world to L.A. to work. You know, so it's, it's definitely changed a yeah. lot. What were you like as a kid? Were you competitive? Were you uh, an introvert? Were you, were you outgoing? I was outgoing. Yeah. I was forced to be outgoing because of being an actor. Yeah. And, uh, but I was more isolated than anything. Uh, my parents loved living in the mountains. They lived in Idlewild. We lived in Ojai. We lived all over the Southern California, but always in the mountains. And so uh, I, would, I would go to a school, I would enroll, get a job, get a couple jobs. I would be at school for a quarter of the year, you know, wasn't making too many friends. And then we'd pick up and move pretty much every two years. So it was a lot of, it was a light, it was kind of like a gypsy life that mm-hmm. we were living. Kind of mm-hmm. a little bit of every, oh, sorry. Go and what was it like, like, look, be, as a child, going back to that memory, like, what was it like looking at your father? Like, how did you... Sp- see your father? I mean, obviously, you know how he is in the home. What was it like watching him 
on the big screen and then right. him coming back into the home like what is that like at watching as a child to watch your father um it's a similar feeling that most kids get with their dads he he was superman mm -hmm. to yeah. me yeah. but he was larger than life yeah. you know and as i was growing i kept you know waiting for the day that i would get to be his size <laughs> you know and it seemed like that took forever and it did but uh, uh, definitely uh, emulated my father a lot. When, if you ask me who my favorite actor is, it's my dad. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Him and Denzel, you know. But uh, bottom line is uh, uh, we, we, had, we had a very, uh, you know, it was a show business family. We did a stage play together, Love War in the Universe, when I was very young. And uh, we always tried to, you know, do creative things together as a family. Good. Yeah. So you mentioned you really were getting your acting bug at like the age of seven. You yep. said so. You starred in, or guest starred on shows like Happy Days and Wonder Woman and uh, <laughs> yeah. the Richard Pryor Project as well. Right. Now, what was it like to be a kid and being on set during right. that time period? I mean, you're being seven. I mean, I, yeah. I like you were saying, your dad seemed larger than life. I can yeah. imagine a studio seemed larger than life as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And and um, and, and meeting people that were legendary. You use the word legend. I, I appreciate that, but I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm a young dude and all that. Legendary to me, uh, meeting Richard Pryor. Yeah. I understood who he was. My dad told me, you know, so um, all, all those all those big celebrities back then. Yeah. You know, but it, it was intimidating, too. But as a kid, you know, you're less apt to, you know, be awkward. So I was always just in the mix. And I think uh, my peers were adults. They were, you know, so that's how I, I was talking like a, an adult when I was eight, yeah, nine, yeah. ten years old. What was it like working with Richard Pryor? Very funny. He was cool. Um, I don't know if he liked kids that much, really? uh, to be honest with you. No, I mean, he was, he was funny, but he was just doing his own thing. Yeah. You know, and there was a group of us that were on that show, and we sang uh, a Stevie Wonder song. The first man to die on a, a flag we now hold high was a black man. That, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I, you were asking about sports. I always wanted to compete in sports, mm -hmm. and I never got to because my, my dad was always, you know, hey, you're the commodity. We can't let you get hurt, right? right, right. <laughs> so I ended up doing a series called The Bad News Bears, mm -hmm. which is all baseball, yep. and I got to play baseball for two years at Paramount Studios. That was cool, man. So you got best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so was, that, was baseball your favorite sport? <clears throat> no, growing up, baseball, uh, baseball was not. It was basketball. It was more basketball. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and football. I, I used to watch basketball and football with my dad religiously. Football mostly, and then basketball. I started watching the Lakers in the early 80s when Magic Irvin Johnson came in. Mm, big Magic. I, yeah. yes, yes, sir. My, <laughs> team, my team for football was uh, the, the L.A. Rams. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, until they left and went to St. Louis. Then they had to win in St. Louis. You know, uh, what, what happened there? Now, at the age of 12, you went on to star in uh, The Next Generation for Roots, which is... Historically, I mean, it's still when it comes on BET and, and shows. I watch it. I mean, I have to set aside like seven hours to watch it because right. it's so much. Um, you played a young Alex Haley. Right. What was that experience like? Was he hands-on since you played his particular character as a as a child? Yes. Good question, Daryl. Um, he was on the set for half of the shoot, and George Stanford Brown was directing that particular episode. And James Earl Jones and Alex Haley were. It seemed like they were best friends. But uh, uh, Alex Haley uh, came up to me and said, <clears throat> uh, young man, I like what you're doing. He says, but we have to cut your hair. And so, you know, and I've always had... The fro, right. Wait, I got to ask, did you have the pick in the fro at, at some point? Or did at you, some point, at I some did. Point you did. Oh, okay. yeah. Because that's standard. We got to have yeah. the pick in the fro. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, not as a kid either. I think I was a teenager. <laughs> like that. Yeah, all sorts of stuff I got caught in my hair, man. 
But uh, uh, yeah, he made me cut my hair. So I, me- I remember thinking, why did he do that? Why did I have to do that? But they showed me some pictures of him, mm. and they still didn't cut it short like his. Really? Yeah, but it, it was an exciting project to work on. Irene Cara played my mother. Dorian Harewood played my father. Yeah, it's uh, great. Bea Richards was grandma. Stan Shaw was my grandfather. Debbie Morgan wow. was a was a cousin. Was he cousin? Kiss somebody? I can't remember. Debbie and I worked together now uh, three times in projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a classic movie. I mean, classic television series. Yeah. And now it's funny because, do you feel that the new generation has a lack of understanding a lot of Black history? I mean, a lot of us grew up to shows like Roots and and had history that we would see in our face every day. And I feel some people feel that there's a lack of that now. What what is your viewpoint on that? Wow, this is a heavy topic all, all by itself. I mean, yeah. we could spend an hour talking yeah. about this. But, I, you know, the, the frustrating part as, a, as an African-American actor, black actor in Hollywood now is that you turn on the TV. I defy you to find a one-hour drama on the networks, right? Cable, yes. BT is doing their share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are those one-hour dramas? They're not there. Where are the half-hour sitcoms? Yeah. They're not there. Tyler Perry, thank you, man, for House of Pain. Yeah. Thank you for you know doing your share. Uh, but the Cosby Show revitalized sitcoms back in the in the eighties, yeah. and we need the same thing now. When I was growing up, it was Good Times. Yeah. It was the Jeffersons. It was All in the Family. It was you know we had a, 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 we could t- tune into a number of different shows to watch us, and now it's it's weird. It's not happening. I don't know if there's a blackout <laughs> on television and in the movies. Because we keep going to the same go-to people. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's not getting any better. That's true. So I, I'm not sure how to, how to fix it. I, I feel your passion, it's, though. It's like everything paused after Fresh Prince and Family Matters. The yeah. 90s. Everything right. kind of, the 2000s just kind of put everything on pause for some It did. Reason. It did. The last one-hour drama that I can recall was, um, it was not Under One Roof. I was going to say Under One Roof. <laughs> it wasn't. No, it was. Uh, it was with Vivica Fox and Blair Underwood. City of Angels, as I recall, uh, yeah. on yeah. CBS. I, I can't okay, think of another one, one since then that's been like a, a pre- predominantly black cast yeah. on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox. Where is it? You're right. Why do you think there's such an aversion to a black dramas? Because that's been the case for quite a while with drama specifically. Like mm-hmm. we got our movement in the '90s. We had a lot of sitcoms, but the one-hour dramas for black. Like a full black cast is, I don't remember one succeeding really in recent memory. In recent memory. I mean, well, let's pick one. Let's go around the room. Can you pick a one hour black drama? <laughs> Just pick one other than City of Angels. And well, there, one there's one, and I, I don't want to mess up the name. It, it was something The Heights or so, something like that. Uh, it was on ABC Family Channel, and it had a predominantly oh, Washington, Washington, Washington Heights. Washington Heights. Washington it had a predominantly black right, cast, right. and that was an hour show right. drama. ABC type Family, show. though, that's cable. That's cable. Well, that's true. That's cable. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And what about uh, what's uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's show, Hawthorne? Hawthorne. Hawthorne that's cable. Yeah. That's cable. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I've got to assume that they are doing some very serious uh, demographics. Yeah. You know, and they know who's watching what when, and they tested shows left and right. Yeah. And the shows that have come on, the one-hour black dramas that have come on, obviously didn't test well enough to stay on air. Or to create new ones, yeah. you know. Uh, it's surprising. I can't. I can't point the finger at racism. I don't think that that would be the case. Yeah. That they're saying, well, no, let's not put any black shows on. They're right. not. There must be a science and, and numbers to everything that they're doing, but not giving it a chance, though. That's not great. coming up with something, mm-hmm. you know. They, they, you know what happens? Yeah. Somebody does something and, and, and they put it on air. 
a producer, a showrunner, and it's the first of its kind, and everybody follows suit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. How well, do you think it has affected, though? So, for instance, like Shonda Rhimes, her uh, Grey's Anatomies and things like that are having such great success, but yeah. her idea of uh, racially blind casting, like not picking who these people are before right. she meets them, how do you think that's sort of affecting or could possibly affect how, if we'll ever see, actually? Because, I mean, we'll always see a, a white drama, but yeah. would right. it ever be a chance for black people to have just black shows and not them be black shows. Or an all-Asian drama. Or do you think yeah, that we're idea... The yeah, we're the Asians. Oh, Asian, exactly. <laughs> right. This idea of colorblind casting, so to speak. It, yeah, that's true. It gives people jobs, but is it really opening doors for those to really yeah. bring in more? Well, I, I think what she's doing is absolutely 100% positive because mm -hmm. the more we see of us and the more we see the Latin just community, yeah. you know, the Asian community, the Indian community. I mean, yeah. it seemed like Indians, the East Indians are, are in, yeah. you know, but they had to do, I guess it was hangover to get the Asian dude, <laughs> yeah. right? They go, oh, well, Asian guys are funny. funny. We'll cast them. Indian guys, you know, yeah. Cal Penn, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the, I, we can only point to one. But yeah, I think it only helps us. It well, definitely doesn't hurt our cause. And Slumdog Millionaire, like there's more, at least they're, they're giving them more visibility and in, yep. in, in, in props now. Um, and they realize how much they can change the game as well. So Well, sure, but Slumdog was Danny Boyle, and that was, uh, that was basically an all, well, it was an all, it was shot in India, the whole thing. Well, that's thing. true, yeah, that's all. Yeah, you know, so true. that was kind of imported here. Yeah. But, uh, but still, yeah, there needs to be much more diversity. It used to be that we would find at least one of us, mm -hmm. you know, on a show. And now I'm like going, well, wait, where's the one of us? Yeah. You know, we had CSI, my man Gary Dordan. Gary, come Gary. back, come back to the planet. No, I don't know. I, don't, I ain't saying nothing. I love my boy. So uh, tell us how you feel. No, 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 no. So no, tell no. us about the incident with Gary, how you feel about no, that. No, I ain't saying nothing. You know, CBS, I'm sure there's a lot of insight you could give us on that. Wow, well, I didn't even think of that. Yes. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that was a CBS show. That's that was a CBS true. show. But all those, you see the franchises, they all have the one. My man Shamar, yeah. God yeah. bless him for yeah. getting that role. Yeah. Because it's I big. remember, and Shamar, I don't know if you'll ever see this, but man, he he actually told me when it was it was called Quantico originally, Criminal mm -hmm. Minds, and we both auditioned for it. We both went in, and he ended up getting that you know getting the role. But he said, "Man, I don't know about this show. I don't think it's going to go." And I said, "Are you kidding me? A show about the FBI in Quantico, Virginia? Of course it's going to go. And you better better ride it out the right. whole time. Right. Right. You, get, you can get five years, just take it. Yeah. You can get. And man, they're on the ninth season right now. Yeah. That yeah. brother's set for the rest of his life yeah, from that one show. Yeah, because what did he have before that? He had, he had the." Young and the Wrestlers. Young and the Wrestlers. No, no, that. but in between it was Birds of Prey. You remember he did that? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Look at um, you, Mr. Facts wow. over there, wow. Jesse. Wow. I'm Jesse. Wow. Moore. Yeah. Uh, right, so you were in Bad News Bears, Sister, Sister, and we're talking about longevity in this career. What is, I mean, a lot of teen stars burn out. How were you able to stay level-headed throughout this and succeed? Interesting question, Jesse. Um... Not sure what the formula is. Uh, I do know I've had my downs in the business. I've had moments where I thought I wasn't going to continue as an actor. Mm -hmm. um, there was a rough period. It uh, wasn't that long. It was before I got the daytime gig, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I, I waited tables in downtown L.A. at a, a, a Japanese restaurant called Inagiku. Mm -hmm. I learned a fair share of Japanese. Wow. That just means I can speak a little Japanese. Yeah, it sounded good to me. Skoshi, <laughs> um, I also was working for the Los Angeles Theater Center, a telemarketer, you know, because I never liked to let the bank account get too low. Yeah. And uh, as luck would have it, um, I, they promoted me to captain of the restaurant and 
then they wanted me to be the GM, the general manager of another. There was a, it was a five-star restaurant, by the way. It was a tempura bar, sushi bar, main dining room. I mean, it was, it was the bomb. They wanted me to go to another location in Hawaii and general manage that. Okay. I was all set to do this, man. <laughs> I was all set to <laughs> go, go and to talk Hawaii. Japanese and be a black dude in Hawaii soaking up the sun. <laughs> That's a good look. I That's know, a good right? Look. That's I, a good I, look. I, I, wanted, good look. I wanted to learn how to surf, too. Yeah. So, But, man, as luck would have it, I got a call for a, 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 a movie of the week. John Nicolella, who was a big Miami Vice executive producer, and they asked me to come in for this Josh Brolin, Jim Brolin movie of the week called Finish Line. And they had told me that Lou Diamond Phillips had been cast in the role, but something happened and he had to bounce. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned for it. In the room, Nicolella tells me, you're my guy. I want you. And so I walk out, agent call, got the part. And I went, oh, good. Uh-oh, I can't do the, I can't do the Inakiku thing. I can't be the, the, the <laughs> oh, captain. Wait, so I had to call my oh, boss. No. He goes, Chris, uh, you, know, you know, come to work. I went, no, I, I got a job. No, you already have a job. <laughs> I went, no, nah, man, I got to go. <laughs> now, do you ever go back and see, see, is he still there, or do you ever go back to that restaurant? I haven't gone back, man. You got to go back. I, I you should. Go back. I know. Yeah. I know, man. That, but that's what happened. Did you at least learn how to serve? I didn't. I will one day. It's Cali's. So it sounds like a lot of the roles started to really pick up for you during that time period. And you had mentioned a little bit earlier the Cosby show. Yeah. And you played Denise Huxtable's boyfriend. Yes. Now, what was it like to work with Bill Cosby? I mean, did he give you any advice? I mean, black man to black man, you know, just like, hey, you know, he was the number one black sitcom, family sitcom, really, at that time period. Did you learn anything from him? He was just the man. He was just the man. (laughs) He was the man. Who happened to be black. He happened to be black. He happened to be black, but he was the man. But did you learn something from him, or did he teach you anything while you were on the show? Well, I don't know... I mean, just being around greatness, you it you do rub it does rub off on you. You, mm. you do get a little bit of that. Um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with Bill except for on set. I mean, he was busy and chomping his cigars when he wasn't on yeah. set. <laughs> yeah. He really was. But uh, that was a turning point in the career as well. I mean, that was one of those. I was kind of down to my last few dollars, and I'm wondering, okay, auditioning and trying to get something working. And just I remember getting that role, and they put it on tape, and then sent it to New York, and I got the call the day after that I auditioned for it in Los Angeles, and they said, yeah, they want you for this role. You do realize that this could be a game changer. So said my yeah. agent at the time. I said, yeah, I don't know, I guess. I mean, I knew the show was number one. It was real yeah. popular. I watched every episode, you know, but that was episode 10 of the first season. Yeah. And uh, How Ugly Is He was the name of that episode <laughs> because I guess uh, I was uh, kind of ugly in attitude and behavior about Cosby, his job, his <laughs> wife's job. His wife's job. Yeah, his like wife's that. job, yeah. right. I yeah, remember. but Felicia was real nice, man. I spent time talking to her quite a bit, and Lisa was, we got along famously, and, you know, we ended up going out on a date back in L.A. that that was kind of a disaster. <laughs> Why? What happened? Oh. Man, see how I opened that up? Yeah, yeah. I Thank well, you, thank you, you for making know. my job very easy. <laughs> yeah. like, what exactly happened, Crystal? Well, you're, you're, like that, right? you're like an open book. I like this. I know, right? <laughs> I, man, hard on the sleeve, man. Um, I, honestly, it was really, we, uh, I was supposed to pick her up at 7 a.m., 7 p.m. That's the reason why I was late. <laughs> like, what was going to go on during the date? <laughs> no, 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 man. Date I'm like, wow, you really liked her. Yeah. I did. Y'all was going to Runyon Canyon, huh? Yeah, <laughs> man. We were going to go for a run. We were getting up early. No, man. At, no, it was 7 p.m. at night. And um, honestly, I stopped off to get flowers for her. And we were going to see Matt Dillon's The Flamingo Kid. Okay. And the flower 
power line was long. I remember standing in the line going, uh-oh, I, I, I think I'm going to be late. I think I'm going to be late. And she was staying in Westwood at a hotel there. And sure enough, I get the flowers, get in the car, and, you know, halfway there, I'm already supposed to be there. It took another 20 minutes. I, I pick her up. She, was, she wasn't happy. Even, here's, the, here's the flowers. I'm sorry. Here's the flowers. Aww. Like, thanks. You ready? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm ready. And then we went, to, went across the street to, uh, to see the Flamingo Kid, and um, I bought, her, bought, bought us some popcorn, but she didn't really want to share. Lisa, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm saying this out loud. I, but that's what happened. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good date. It was yeah. because I was late, and, and, and she, you know, I mean, it, we ended up nice, you know, yeah. at, at the end of the movie, but it took a long so time. So there was no second date is what you're telling us. There, there was a there second was, date. Oh, there was. There, no. No. There wasn't. No. Wait, no. do you know something that we? I'm, I'm asking. I'm like, oh. no, 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 so no that, that did it. Yeah, okay. I think I think Romeo Blue at the time got that date. And <laughs> turned into Lenny. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! But wait, I got another quick uh, one. This, oh. Hey, this, this is a quick one. This is a quick one. <laughs> wait, wait. So then I get I get called not too long later for a different world. Okay, and I walk in for the audition, and there I see. I said, man, that's that's Romeo Blue, and 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 he's reading for this. Okay, so. Uh, I figured he'd get it because I knew that he was he was dating uh, uh, Lisa. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if they were married then or, or they were going to get married or what. But, I, you know, I just kind of just read it and I went in. I didn't have much on it. And um, sure enough, they called and offered me to part. I, I never thought I would beat out her <laughs> own boyfriend for yeah. the role. The role was Easy Brooks. He was the, the, the counselor at, the, uh, at, at, at Hillman. Oh, no. Oh, I've forgotten. I can't yeah, Hillman. It was Hillman College. It was Hillman. Yeah, it was Hillman. Yeah. 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 or something? Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, I don't know if I would have rather traded places with Romeo and just, you know, not been Easy Brooks, but yeah. been who he was. The boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the boyfriend. The boyfriend. Now, now you work with so many legendary people, such as Lisa Bonet, Bill Cosby, Alex Haley. You also work with Flip Wilson and Charlie and yeah. Company. Yeah. And you played his son, correct? Yes, I now, did. Now, describe how you got that job and the experience with working with Flip. Because, I mean, he's, he's the legendary man himself, so... Killer, I'm gonna say killer on you. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, uh, Flip Wilson. I met him at the screen test uh, for the network at CBS, and I was shaking in my boots because by that time I was 18 and realized just was what was at stake. I had already done the Cosby Show, and this was almost immediately following doing the Cosby Show. And I heard years later that whoever was working at CBS that passed on the Cosby Show got fired because it ended up at NBC. Oh, wow. Right? So then they immediately got, got their own Kaz show with Flip Wilson called Charlie and Company. They had a couple of different names for it. But uh, I go in for the audition. I go on to the next round. And then I'm sitting there with, uh, with the network execs <clears throat> and Flip Wilson. And the audition went swimmingly. It went really good. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was good. But the one thing that sold it was... I st I was, I'm standing next to Flip, and he does one of these numbers where, because he's a lot shorter, yeah. was a lot shorter. Yeah, was, Rest yeah. in peace, Flip. Yeah. Um, and so he does one of these numbers. He, I, I say a line to him, and he looks <laughs> down at my shoes, and he kind of looks at the middle, and then he looks all the way and says, Damn, I got to get a ladder just to talk to my own son. <laughs> <laughs> it was not in the script, and the network just went that, ballistic. They sure, laughed. That was one of those moments. It was one of those moments, and I think that moment, Earned me that job. That's great. I really do, and it was great working with Flip. I mean, you know, he was he was a professional. Um, 
You know, he used to little something, something, but that you know, he used to forget his lines a little bit. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I can say, and people know about that. You know, it, it happens. But I had a great time. Gladys Knight was fantastic. She seems insane. like everybody's yes. mom. I always, I wanted Gladys Knight <laughs> to be my mom growing up. She seemed like my grandmother or something. Like, how was she? Was she like that in person? Yeah, Did, she, she was, seemed very motherly. She very, very warm. Yeah. Very beautiful, you know, offered advice. And, and, and then I had Jaleel White, Urkel. Jaleel, yeah. Yeah. He played my little brother. He was funny as all get out. And uh, Fran Robinson was my sister. Della Reese came on the show as Aunt Rachel. And she was incredible. And I got my Della first Reese, girlfriend, wow. real girlfriend, through Della Reese. And how did that happen? Her stepdaughter. Oh. Her stepdaughter, Dominique. Um, she was fine, man. Now, now, that, now, that could be a good thing or a bad thing because you you're working with together. her and then you're dating her daughter or stepdaughter. Yeah, I feel like Mother Reese wouldn't just would offer somebody. That's true. No. She did. That's true. No, no, I'm, oh. I'm saying she unless she sure. knew. Yeah. Mama T was coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting is that Della was the one person on that show who pulled me aside one day and she said, you're going to have an amazing career with drama. And, wow. I, and, I, and at the time, I went, but I'm trying to be funny here. Yeah. And she said, you are funny. He says, but you're, you're a very good dramatic actor. I can see you going a long way with drama. And she was right, man, <clears throat> because what have I been doing for the past 24 years, two on Generations and, two, and 22 on uh, Young and the Restless? Speaking of generations, you were <laughs> cast in 1989 yeah. as Adam Marshall, which yeah. is a huge thing because that was the first black soap opera yeah. ever. And, I mean, there's still cult following. They say that some people want to bring it back online virally, you know. Right. So there is a chance. <laughs> right. Maybe call it again. Yeah. But what was it like to be a part of such a revolutionary show at the time? And did you realize how important that show was going to be for the black community? I didn't realize at the time. Um, and it really wasn't a black soap. There was a black family. Black family, yeah. And it was a white family. It was well mixed, but... Every day of the week, you could turn on that particular show, and you would see members of that black family. Yeah. On Young and the Restless, you, I can't say that. Mm -hmm. There's been some real dry spells. Yeah. We've had, you know, I've had four and five year runs where, where was I? You know, and you turn on the TV. Not saying anything bad about Young and the Restless, right. as much as we we were front and center the entire run. Um, Torian Black originated the role of Henry Marshall, my father. Um, and then was replaced by uh, Jim Reynolds, <clears throat> both fabulous actors. Um, Dor uh, Janelle Allen, an mm -hmm. incredible, amazing actress. Uh, Rick Fitz, they were the neighbors. Um, yeah, man, it was a lot of good people. Sally Sussman, who created the show, um, and she was a head writer for Young and the Restless for many years. You know, she got her feet wet there. Tony Morina, her husband, who uh, is now on Young and the Restless, and as, Restless a, as yeah. a supervising producer. Yeah. He was a director on Generations, cool cat. Um, we had some great writers, Michelle Valjean, I think we had Susan Dansby for a while, who is now writing on Young and the Restless. Um, and that's the difference. We, we had some black writers. Yeah. And we had some you know, black people behind the scenes. Yeah. We had to because we had such a large black cast. Um, and that's probably what made the show so relatable to so many people because of just the writers and, of course, the acting. Uh, you were nominated for two Emmys. <laughs> during that time period. Yeah, yeah that's true. You're right. I, uh, and I forgot to mention Joan Pringle, who played my mother. She was just exceptional. You know, but uh, thank you for... Uh, uh, I don't know why I'm thanking you for saying I... I oh, you're you're, you're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. I didn't like thank, Winter. Thank you, Daryl, for reading. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy for those two nominations 24 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was a fun show. I'm sorry that it went off the air, but if it hadn't gone off the air, then I never would have been on Young and the Restless. And the truth is... 
I was a secret closet Young and the Restless watcher when I was doing Generations <laughs> because Young and the Restless was the number one show at the time. Yeah. And we were last place and always stayed in last place. So I used to watch going, what are they doing that we're not doing? Yeah. And you know what? <clears throat> they were doing a, a lot of stuff that we weren't doing. They were, their lighting was incredible. Their, their, you know, some of their writing uh, was, some of it was superior. Um, you know, the, the setups. Bill Bell Sr., incredible storyteller, really. And Sally Sussman, who learned from him, obviously, with Generation, she did a f fantastic job. But the one thing that I saw was this beautiful girl. I said, who's that? That's, oh, she's playing, Dr what kind of name is that, Drusilla? <laughs> and she, Victoria Rowell. And then I, and then I saw uh, Tani Lee Williams. Who, who, she was on it. And she was playing her sister. And Tani Lee had been on Generations for a minute. And I saw Nathan Perdee, and I went, okay, so they got some black folk on Young the yeah. Restless. I said, man, if my show ever goes down, and little did I know it was going down a lot sooner than I thought, <laughs> I want to be on that show. Speak it into existence. Yeah, I was about to say, Law of the Universe right there. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's absolutely what happened. But when we, we got canceled two weeks after Warren Littlefield, the president of NBC came on stage nine on our set and went, my mother loves generations, and we will. It sounded like Obama a little bit. You did kind of <laughs> Obama make flavor this clear. to the voice. Yeah. I want to be clear. <laughs> um, but he said, "My mama loves my mama." Now I'm a black one. My mama <laughs> loves generations, and we are not going to take you off the air. And we were off the air in two weeks. Wow. So mama wow. must have said something to Warren. And then as right. soon as we were off the air, I was like, "Boop boop boop boop." Hello, Nancy Wired, supervising producer, Young and the Rest of the Yes, it's me, Christoph St. John. Uh, I'm an actor on Young and uh, on Generate. Yeah, I want to be on Young and the Restless, though. Send in some tape? Okay, I will. I dutifully sent in tape. Two weeks later, I got a call, and I met with Bill Bell, hmm. who offered me four wow. shows on, the, on, on Young and the and Restless. And then after the four shows, I hear you got a contract after, like, two days. Two, yeah, the second show, I got a contract from Bill. He called me on set after I finished my scenes, and he says, uh, So, how'd you like to... Uh, stick around here for a while. How'd you like a contract? And I went... <laughs> Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Okay, great. How's three years sound? Sure. Wow. That's how it happened. And is that the standard? What is the standard contract starting off? Is it a, a year contract or two years? Like it's three years sounds like you. They really they knew that you were the you. man. You were the man. So, what is the standard contract? I wish I could say the standard contract was a year, but it's standard is three. Uh, it was back then. Uh, sometimes five years they get they give depending on what kind of character you're playing, and you know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it varies. It's varies. contingent on what, what kind of role you have. And as an actor, I mean, just going into it and hearing you say, what are they doing differently? And uh, you actually caring about the lighting, about the, the writing and things like that. Yep. What's the difference between acting on a soap opera versus acting on set for a movie or a sitcom? Like, what's the, What would you say is the biggest difference? A lot of people say it's actually harder. Soaps. Um, all right. Biggest difference is there's a volume, a hell of a volume of material, man. I mean, we get hit sometimes with, you know, 20, 30 pages yeah. in a day. Um, we every day in production, we're, we're pulling off. Uh, well, it used to be, you know, 50, 60, 70 pages, eight. Sometimes it is still 60, 70, 80 pages in one day, yeah. you know, of a full length feature film. You can have 80 89 pages, 90 pages. Wow. And they're doing that over a minimum a month, six weeks, right? So that's the biggest difference. You have very little time to put it together, to make your presentation. You know, um, it's rehearsal. Alfred Hitchcock said, um, 
99.9% of success is preparation. Mm -hmm. I hope he said that. And maybe he said 99%. Oh, I put the point nine. So me and Alfred Hitchcock said. But, but bottom line is that's true. It's yeah. your rehearsal. If I, if I have, you know, 15, 20 pages of just chunky dialogue, I'm studying the night before for a half hour to an hour. Yeah. And in the morning, I have to run it with my peeps and go through it and go through it. So when we hit stage, we're comfortable enough that, boom, okay, we're going to shoot this. Five, four, three, two. Damn. We have one chance. Okay. Or two or three if we keep messing it up yeah. but we're trying to get it that one that first take yeah. right. so that we can move this along so that the rest of the people have their chance to do their scenes yeah. so so you're neil winters now on, on young and the restless how close is the character neil to who christoph is in real life that's a great question and i've been asked this question before um we're not a lot alike um in fact uh we're we're almost totally opposite but yet were a lot alike. I know I just contradicted. Okay, yeah. Okay. I, I went around Explain the circle and then that. I came back. I was like, wait, okay, okay, right. I got you. I, I, man, I could never live in a suit and a tie. I could never work for corporate America. Never. I, I, I'm not that guy. Yeah. I, I'm pretty creative and I can, you know, but I could never dress that way. I'm not, I am articulate like Neil because that is what you, you know, what you see on the screen. Um, I try to do a balance of, you know, who I am and who Neil is. You know, there's a lot of, me that comes through it's hard to explain but on set of things of moments right um what people don't really know about me is that i could be pretty funny you know uh, i like to laugh a lot i don't tell jokes i'm not going to get on the stage and, 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 and you know chris rock <laughs> no, style no stand up no stand up movie no man no man but um you know the things that are a lot alike is uh, i can be very dramatic you know, I can be my own life i feel like i got a soap opera running okay <laughs> and i can be pretty dramatic like that but truth is, I'm pretty carefree. I could live on an island, and that's what I'd like to do. I would love to grow out my hair so I got Bob Marley-style <laughs> stuff and, and live on a beach somewhere. That would be me. See, now, we said Law of the Universe. You just put that out there. That might, that might be what's next. <laughs> might be. Have, that you, might be have the, you ever uh, heard of, uh, well, as far as Neil, has he ever taught you anything to kind of add to your own life? What has Neil Winters taught Kristoff? Um, Neil has taught me to be, I guess, a little better with money. Yeah. Um, over the years, up until I got that show, you know, I was like, hey, what, what's money? And so I've learned a, a bit of business acumen from, from that character. Um, I would have to say that's it. Uh, things, a thing that spills over, though, I, I would have to say is I have three children in real life, and I have children on the show. I have mm -hmm. one biological uh, child, and I have two kids, one adopted and one that ain't mine. That's my brother's. Because my brother slept with my wife while she was drunk on cold medication one right. night. Go figure that, yeah. yo. That's right? a serious storyline. <laughs> yeah, real talk, yo. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really into, uh, you know, I mean, I could say it. I'm, I'm a pretty good dad, you yeah. know. And, and I love kids. I love kids up until they're about 13, 14. <laughs> because that's when, that's when the switch, uh, I'm, I'm not kidding oh. about this. It's like a switch goes from, I, I, I used to be Merlin the Magician. And now I'm the village idiot. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. And, and it, it takes a lot of, uh, I got to just become subservient, yeah. you know, to, and I'm, I, I'd be good either way. I'd be good as an A-list movie star or I'd be good as the A-list movie star's assistant. Yeah. I can do either one. And, and I like to serve my children almost to the point where I've handicapped them in the past. But now the older kids, they're all about give me money and lots of it. I'm like, no, you need to carve out your own little path yeah, right. in life you know i can deal with the toys r us runs and the magic mountain the roller coasters with the little one but the older ones are all about 
I need money. <laughs> now, so on the show, you kind of spoke about kids, right? So uh, Neil has, uh, you know, a daughter, Lily, but it's yeah. uh, the brother is involved in this. Right. Would the Kristoff in real life be able to get over his brother being the father of his daughter? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very forgiving person. Uh, too much so, you know, uh, at times when I when I should push people aside and away. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, I'm very forgiving. And in that particular scenario, I mean, you're talking about a life. Yeah. And, you know, I found out at the age of 35 that I had a brother that I never knew about. Oh, wow. And he was uh, adopted by a, a family of doctors in New York. And he became a neurosurgeon. Wow. So he operates on the brain and the back, on people's backs, and has three children just like me. And that was a huge kind of soap opera secret for years with my dad. And when I found that out, I was at first just astounded. And, and then I got angry because I thought, well, had I known, I could have had a relationship with, right. a, with a, a sibling. I, when I was growing up, I always wanted to have a sibling. Yeah. You know, I'd play football by myself. I'd be the quarterback and the center <laughs> and the wide receiver. Going back to the childhood days. But um, uh, definitely I would, I would, you know, have to embrace and accept if, if my brother had cheated on me or, you know, with my, with my missus, I yeah. would eventually. And, and how close are you guys in, in age, your brother, are you, are you, and are you still pretty close now? Yeah, he's a year older than me. Okay. And we're not very close. Um, he lives in New York, and I know we've got technology, phones and whatnot, but we don't talk that much. Yeah. You know, but we reach out to each other at least three, four times a year. Okay. You know, I think I think the the distance is really kind of killing us. Yeah. If we live nearby, it would be a little bit different. You know. Yeah. Well, he should come here during the winter months. You know, right? <laughs> Much vacation. better weather. Yeah, yes. vacation, a little vacation. <laughs> right. Little side note: He's really good fr friends with Rick Springfield, so he comes out here and he visits Rick Springfield. He stays here. And Rick Springfield used to be on General Hospital. Right. Yes. I thought that was weird. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of random. And, and yeah. But small circle, world, small world, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Six yeah. degrees of Kristoff. Six degrees of Kristoff, <laughs> right, right. I might be related to Kristoff. Oh, shoot, man. <laughs> they kind of look alike. Yeah, we do, Daryl. There you go. Well, you know all us black people look alike. We all look alike. That's we look alike. Right. right, exactly. Now, so your storyline on Young and the Restless, I mean, we were mentioning this before, but it was one of the most talked about storylines with you and Drusilla, yeah. um, uh, and, and it was so popular among so many people. What do you think that people were, how do you think that people were, were able to relate to it so much? What about your characters do you think that people were like, wow, I, I, I got to watch this. I got to tune in. I got to see what's going on with, with Drusilla. And well, let me first address why I think people watch soap operas in general. Um, soap operas are a magical mystery tour, thank you the, to the Beatles. It's a fantasy life. It's something that people turn on the television for to escape. It's escapism. And it's stuff that doesn't normally happen in, in ordinary living. Um, and a lot of stuff does. Marriages, divorces, all that. Uh, people want to see the clothing, what the women are wearing, the gowns when they're getting married or going to a ball. Uh, for the guys, they want to see them, you know, in our show, it's been corporate, and so guys dressed in suits. Uh, at least now we're changing the wardrobe after many, many years and kind of coming out of the closet, and no pun intended in any kind of way. But um, um, the, the Neil and Drew storyline, I think for the first time in, in the history of Young and the Restless, people saw a real love relationship going down. Nathan Perdee had something for a minute. 
um, we, I can't remember with who, if it was, it was, I guess it was Tanya Lee Williams, Olivia. Mm. We had uh, Phil Morris before me, who played a detective, mm -hmm. a black detective, yep. who uh, he donned white makeup as, to infiltrate the mob. So, but he had a girl fall in love with him as a white guy. Strange. Yeah, <laughs> it was. She she couldn't fall in love with him as a black man. Um, and before that, John St. Elwood was part of that. Stephan yeah, right. <laughs> Stephanie Williams was part of that. But um, I think it was the first time that they really got to see a black man and a black woman besides Angie and and uh, uh, Jesse on on All My Children with Darnell and 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 Debbie. Yeah. Right. But this was CBS and Young and the Restless, and the two characters couldn't have been more opposite, so to yeah. speak. She was a street urchin, Drusilla. She didn't know how to read or write, um, but I taught her a little bit about that. Nathan taught her how to read. I'm sorry. Nathan sure. did. But I taught her more about, you know, the ways of the world. You know, hey, we can have a good time and go out to this nice restaurant. Let's go to the movies, drive in my car, you know. And, and so that's, that's what people saw. That's what was, was drawing people in. She was a, but at the same time, she was this incredible ballerina. She was a prima ballerina. You know, so when Neil looked at her for the first time, the visual was just a 10. And her attitude was always like, man, you're too rough. You're too hard yeah. on me and for me. But then when he would watch her do her ballet, it was just everything that he wanted. There was the grace and the elegance and the roughness was no longer there. Yeah. And so it's like fire and, and water or oil and water, whatever that saying is. These two people were drawn together, and unlike any other black soap co couple, except for a Angie and and, uh, and Jesse, uh, you know, that's true. Do they ever let you uh, let you guys? Uh, you know, you know the character better than anyone else. Yeah. So, are you a ever able to add to the storylines if you read something or think it should go a different way? Are they pretty open with that, or? Certain head writers have been uh, open to actors suggesting things um, and others not. Uh, input is really made more with um, the material and interpretation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I should give my trade secrets, but generally, you know, what I do is I will take the script and I will break it down and I will just X out stuff that I'm not going to say. Yeah. And I'll write in stuff that I'm going to say. And, and Eric Braden, who plays Victor Newman, Victor Newman on the show, he told me when he first got there, he said, Christoph, let me tell you something. If you want to make changes, you need to do it uh, two days before. Wow, you sound And then, and then like you send it in, you have to fax it in to, to the writers so they see what you're going to say. Well, that's what he does, right? But I was too fearful at first to do that. Right. So what I would do was I would rewrite stuff, and then I wouldn't say it during the rehearsal because we always have a rehearsal on yeah. set. I would say it for the first time when we taped. And then they would look at it, and I know what they were thinking. They would go, this ain't the script. Right, well, that, <laughs> but it's better than what was written there. Okay, yeah. well, let keep it. And some, every so often, once in a while, they come out and go, you can't say that because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But I know what you were trying to do. Yeah. That's been my philosophy ever since I got there. Okay. Hmm. You know, I really don't go out of my way to let them know what I'm going to do until I make the performance. And, yeah. and if it works, it works. I said a line to Rhetoric the other day. He, he, you know, he was mouthing off to me. Uh, I, can't I can't tell you why, because it's all storyline stuff. He's mouthing off. And I just thought, man, this, this is a rude dude. Yeah. So I ended up throwing in a line, and, and, and I said, uh, you know, your rude uh, 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 attitude or behavior or something. Anyway, bottom line is whatever line, because I, I forgot it already. <laughs> but whatever I said, it worked. Yeah. 
And it worked because it just it was better than what was there. Yeah, it was in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, you were mentioning the writers, and you had a storyline when you came on. You were an executive. You were a young executive on the come up. Yeah. There has been some storylines for other black characters on that show that were... I will say a little sketchy the way they were introduced to the show, like yes. Drew. Yeah. Did you ever have like a, a feeling or a, or a problem with the way the writers were writing some of the black characters into the show? Um, I don't know about writing them into the show, but there have been issues with just things that were said, um, lines. Um, you know, I had a I had a big problem with. Uh, you know, we we had a storyline where I, I was an alcoholic for. A minute, about six months on the show, and then I got clean within one day. <laughs> I was Miraculous. like, I was drunk, on a, and the next day I'm telling you too can be sober. I go to meetings every day. I'm like, nah, man, I need to like struggle at least for give me a couple of months of going in and out. Um, but uh, I, no, nah, I don't really remember too many times of going. This is just not copacetic. Um, Todd Bridges came on the show during my alcoholic storyline, and you know we had this kind of flimsy thing where I left to go drink in the hood, you know, and I'm not sure why other than they wanted an unsavory CD type to see me, see my watch, see that it's expensive, got some expensive clothes, and then follow me home and rob my apartment. That's yeah. why I started drinking in the hood. I don't know about <laughs> y'all. Y'all, it's a southern now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go down, you know, to, to Watts yeah. or, or Inglewood right. just to get a beer. Just, just to, to go beer. drink. Right. I'm going to stay here in the valley right. wherever I'm living. <laughs> right? But, oh, well, so Todd, uh, whose name was Juice. <laughs> Some of the names, I got to say this. Some of the names just haven't been cool, man. Yeah. You, you know, know, we got Juice after OJ, I think. We had Mamie. That's messed up. Mamie left on a cruise, <laughs> and she ain't. She hasn't been seen since. <laughs> These are southern names. Drusilla. Oh. Oh, must have been Carnival. Wow. I'm, I'm not gonna get in. I'm not gonna get into that. You're gonna have to get into that with Victoria Rowell. Yeah. She will talk about whatever you ask with these topics like yeah. that because I, I I'm still working there. Yeah. I and I have yeah. to uphold the righteousness yeah. and where we are headed rather than where we have been. Right. Where we are going is new stuff, man. Yeah. We got new people. Thank God we got an, uh, Angelica McDaniel who is coming to the fray as CBS, uh, 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 VP of CBS Daytime. And man, is she, she's just putting in so much diversity. You know, she's expanded storylines that I didn't think were going to be expanded. She put a Latin cat on the show, Right. Um, uh, we even uh, do we have an Asian? I don't know, but it's gotten it's gotten a lot <laughs> more diverse. So it's gotten better. <laughs> it's gotten better. Scandal's helping us a little bit. Yes. Chandra Pines yes. is helping us. I am expecting to see an Indian man coming around the corner going, "Hey, Mr. Neil Winters, I know it is you." Okay, now very fine, thank you. Oh my now, God. what can we expect, kind of, from Neil's character? I know you can't give us the full storyline, but what can we? What can fans see in the future from you? You're going to see some interesting um, fireworks between the characters of Leslie. And Neil, Leslie is this just fantastic high-powered attorney that um, uh, uh, Neil has fallen for, and that's because she's just she's got it all. She's the she's the perfect package. She's smart, intelligent, uh, down to earth. Um, she's got her own career. You know, she's mixing mixing it up, moving and shaking. Um, she's gorgeous. She's a beautiful gal, uh, and she's got a little bit of that Drusilla quality. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's what Neil or that's what Neil has been going for, trying to find his rival. Most of the women that have been brought on the show that have played Neil's love interest, they've been I don't know, not quite right there with him. 
I mean, Debbie Morgan, God bless Debbie Morgan for coming on and playing the role of Yolanda, a crack addict, a recovering wow. crack addict, Devon's mother, you know, and we're supposed to fall in love. Yeah. There's, there's not, I, I think they were thinking that it was going to be sort of a Drew and Neil thing all over again. But it, it really wasn't. And I, I loved working with her, and I, st- you know, I still think she should, should be on the show just in a different role. I don't think that was right. It was the right role for her. Yeah. Miscasting. Miscasting has happened too many times. Yeah. And, well, and hopefully that'll change. I mean, you think it will change, actually, in the yep. future. It, yeah, it's changing. It's changed. Yeah. You know, we got Redrick, we've got Redrick Williams on the show now. We got, uh, uh, who else? Lamone. Oh, Lamone, uh, you're going to be mad that I forgot your last name. But Lamone, <laughs> Lamone, right? It's kind of like Ramon. Ramon. Yeah, you've seen, you've seen Lamone and, and, seen and Lamone. rhetoric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were trying to get some youngsters in there because the old guy getting older, you know, and I, 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 I'll still take off my shirt, though, <laughs> with the best of them, with the best of them. Showing the guns. Yeah. Now I have a fan question. Yeah. Uh, a fan tweeted in, and they said they want to know, why doesn't Neil own his own business by now he had the club restaurant indigo but he sold it he has run everybody's company newman chancellor and jabot but still doesn't have his own legacy what's the deal okay here's the deal on this right and and i gotta be honest i'm gonna put this out there for everyone to hear i have talked to them about this i've talked to the present administration about this i know because i'm a black man i know because i've been working for the man for the longest time i've done 22 years working (laughs) for them and he's supposed to be you know, like uh, uh, the, the CEO of, of American Express was an African-American. He, I don't know if he's still there. But he's supposed to be this multimillionaire. And why wouldn't he go off and start his own company? I gave the I, – I, I hand I – here, <laughs> this is a great story. I thought when Obama <laughs> – <laughs> I thought when Obama got in office, he, he Neil might be the president. Neil might become the president. Neil can become the president. We're gonna start a Twitter. We're gonna start a Twitter fan page. Neil as president. Neil for president. I love it. Yeah, I, and look, man, I wasn't saying that it had to be a black company. Right. I, you know, I wasn't saying, well, he needs to make magic shaving powder because of bump, <laughs> because bump of stopper stuff and all that. I was saying that it could be a diverse company, right? right. But that had black products. Because I told him about, you know what, the reason why I used magic shaving powder until I was 22 was because of my dad. Yeah. Because he said, son, I need to pass this on to you. Yeah. And I went, well, why? What, I, that stuff stinks. I know what you're doing with that. You're in the bathroom going like this. And he goes. With the, with the butter knife? With the, with the, <laughs> with the freaking butter, butter knife. knife. My grandfather. <laughs> Your granddaddy? My granddaddy used to do it too. Okay, so you know. And then yeah. that smell, that sulfur oh, yeah. was just yeah, horrible. Yeah, it was crazy. And I, would, oh, I knew when he was shaving. So he was like, here you go, son. Now it's here. We're going to take a lesson. Like, oh, God. And so I ended up shaving like that for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. And finally one day I didn't have it on set. And I, I had to use a razor. I didn't bump up. I told Bill Bell this storyline. I said, this might be a, a really an amazing thing, you know, bumps. And I told the last administration and I sort of told the, pre, the present administration, this could, be, this could be a wonderful part of, of his company, that he's caring for black men, right? And here's another thing. Black, uh, he, uh, Neil, as a black man, has his own biological child. He's only, I don't know, he's a baby last time I saw him. Um, he should be a single black father on the show. Yeah. Show other black men that it's okay to, positive light. to yeah. hold your child's hand yeah. full time. Yeah. If, if your mo- if baby's mama is, doesn't want to do it all the time, you know, or not at all, I'll, I'll take the kid. Yeah. You know, 
that's something that I'd love to see as well. I know I'm all over the place, no. but man, now you got me talking. No, we, we love even, it. We love it. I don't Keep even talking. know if I'm going to have a job we next want week. The well, no, we, bring it out. No, trust me, all, your, all the fans you have, you will have a job because they I'm definitely kidding. want to keep watching the deal. Now you, oh, they don't even know how I could. No, never mind. I, I'm not going to say nothing. Oh. No, go ahead. no, no, no. You opened it up now. No, go ahead. They, no, they think Vicky Rowell can say so. I could say some stuff, but I don't say anything, man. I'm a good brother. See, we need to have you and Victoria on at the same time, and yeah. then we'll get some things brewing. Yes. Oh, we wouldn't even have to ask questions. We just have we, one. You just yeah, we have go, one topic go. and go. I don't need. I'd be like here. <laughs> Now, uh, for the fans who watch the show, unfortunately, recently um, you lost Gene Cooper uh, on, on the show, who's yeah. legendary, Kathleen Chandler. Um, Chancellor. Chancellor, excuse yeah, me, Chancellor. Chancellor. Yep. How has uh, the show kind of dealt with, with losing such an icon um, since the beginning of the show almost? Yeah, yeah, man. Well, I'm glad we did the laughing uh, first. Losing Jeannie <clears throat> um, is a lot like losing... Uh, your own mom or grandma. Yeah. And um, Jeannie Cooper, uh, talk about the word legendary, iconic, um, amassed an amazing resume during her stay on the planet. Um, Jeannie was just such a beautiful individual inside and out. She could be very caustic and crazy and nasty with words at times, all in good fun, and then completely embrace embrace you, love you, cry with you, advise you. She was everyone's mother. And um, I personally had many conversations with Jeannie about the struggle, about the black man's struggle, because she wanted to talk about that. And, you know, what's interesting is that Jeannie Cooper was one of us. Yeah. And fans let me know that. And I would go out on the road and two people that they always talked about was Victor Newman and Catherine Chancellor. Yeah. You know, if I go to the South, I go to the Midwest, I go, I don't ma- it doesn't matter. They will always talk about them. And they would say, oh, Mrs. Ch- Mrs. C is one of us. Yes, she is. Uh, beautiful soul. And yeah. we're sorry to have lost her. And, and the entire cast is completely broken about it. Yeah. But we also knew that Jeannie was very sick. And it wasn't like she was, you know, 30, 40 years old. Right. You know, she was 84 and had some very serious health issues. Would, did we want to lose her? Of course, you don't want to lose anybody, you know, and especially right now, you know, um, but I'm, we're just glad to have had her as long as we did, yeah. you know, and, and now there's a lot of loose ends that, that the writers are putting together for uh, some, some kind of, um, I, I can't say because I, I, I kind of know, but we, something will air later during summer, you know, about, her character, Catherine Chancellor. Okay. You know, and we're doing a special tribute show that we've, we've taped it already. We filmed that. It'll be on this Tuesday, uh, the 28th. The 28th, okay. And it's a tribute to Jeannie Cooper from the, the entire cast. Yeah, and she seemed to be kind of like everyone's mother on the show almost. Um, uh, so we definitely will, I'm sure fans will definitely tune in to, to watching that as well. Yeah. Um, we, I, I know that we, in the realm of family, we, I recently read too that you had reunited with your mother um, after 20 years, and, and I know that she recently passed. Sorry about the, the loss. Um, how do you feel that uh, your life has changed and, and impacted with reuniting after you reunited with her, um, and just the way you kind of deal with, with your, your life and your children? Um, how, how has that impacted your, your world? Well, uh, 
my my mom uh i didn't get a chance to i didn't get a chance to uh say goodbye and yeah i didn't really know her that well so you know, i don't know if that made it easier or not i think it made it more difficult because you know there was no closure there yeah. and my mom was uh she was 100% Polish she was a white lady her her parents are immigrants and they never accepted you know the color of my dad's skin or mine yeah. so uh it was devastating it, it was totally devastating losing her and at some point i'm sure i'll i'll deal with it more but you know i have i have my kids that they carry on her light yeah. You know, they're her grandkids. Um, she never got the chance to meet my 10-year-old, Lola. But she will one day. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, hey, in fact, come here, kid. This is, the, the, you are, you are, you know, part Arlene, which is, which is your grandma, right? Yeah. We're talking about someone that you never had a chance to meet. So, uh, <clears throat> and then Julian and Paris, who are your sis sister and brother, they met Arlene, <clears throat> when they were very small and uh, unfortunately they didn't get to you know hang out with her after what's your name Lola yeah what's up Lola hi Lola yeah how old are you 10 yeah are you excited about being on a, on a show right now sure yeah <laughs> she's like yeah I don't know so much anymore <laughs> yeah what um, you want to put this on your head yeah why don't you tell us uh, what's uh, oh sorry little girl uh-oh, now we're getting that all caught up. She probably could have put it on better. Here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Here, you put it on. So, can you tell us, um, do you, do you, have you ever watched uh, Young and the Restless? You ever, Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, really? Have you, ever, have you ever seen me on it? Yes. You have? Yes. And what do you think when you see Daddy on Young and the Restless? That he's lucky. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 uh, I, I used to say, or I still say it, but I'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah. Right? And then a part of my ego goes, wait a minute, I really want to be good, though, and stuff. Yeah. But uh, so so what, what, what is your, what is your uh, vision of your life? What are you going to do when you get older? Well, I don't know. I kind of want to be an actress, but. Wow. Yeah. Is, this, is this first time hearing it? Did you know that she was interested in the business? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, she's told me a little bit about it, but uh, not. So are you sure that's what you want to do? Mm, I'm not sure, but. What's your backup plan? I don't have one. Kid. Well, you, <laughs> you, yeah, well, you got to get a backup whoa, plan. Whoa, 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 whoa. We'll help you out with yeah. that. We'll, we'll plan B. Yeah, plan B. <laughs> it's interesting because my next question to you was going to be, what do you see your legacy being? Um, or what do you define as your legacy? And, you know, I don't even know if I need an answer because I see it. You know, <laughs> but I would love to hear from your words. What, what do you define as your legacy? Well, what am I leaving behind? Um, I'm, I'm leaving behind... Uh, um, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, three children who hopefully, hopefully have um, enough sense to find what it is that they're looking for. Yeah. You know, and and that's truly it. When you find what you're looking for, you grab it, you take it, you, and 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 you love it. Yeah. Um, that's what I wish for her. Yeah. Um, what I can give her is the tools. You know, uh, uh, I guide, I can guide her, 
you know, walk beside me and, and, and learn, uh, learn a little bit about what I'm doing. Yeah. If it's the business that you want to go in, if you want to be an actress or a model or, you know, even behind the camera, writing, directing, you know, that's, that's my, next, my next phase of my career is, uh, is that, producing, writing, directing. And I've yeah. been doing that uh, along the way, just not how I'm about to. Yeah. And maybe you want to write one day. You know, you're a very good speech, uh, uh, speech writer, you know, in your, in your fourth grade class. I've heard some of your speeches. <laughs> and, um, you know, your presentation is good. And you're not ugly. That's good. <laughs> right? That helps in Hollywood. That helps. Right? That that helps. helps. Do, do you think that you're pretty? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. You have a good yeah. fashion sense of fashion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. You're well, a beautiful. We'll, you're a beautiful young lady. I love you very much. We'll have to. We'll have to write down her name and make sure, like you know, 20 years from now, we'll be looking for her. <laughs> you know? Sign my paper. Lola. Lola, Lola St. John. Lola St. John. John. Yeah. Her brother. Her brother Julian is actually a pretty talented artist. And he had his first gallery showing. He's 23 years old. He oh, had his like first gallery artist. showing. Julian St. John. You can catch him on Twitter. Julian St. John Saint on Twitter. John. Yeah, it's at Julian St. John. And uh, some of his artwork is just, it, it's a little, a little reminiscent of Basquiat. Yeah. You know, he mm -hmm. likes to do uh, writings on his, on his pictures. Well, we'll definitely yeah. check that yeah. out. For well, sure. we, we have a, we're wrapping up, but we have a couple more questions sure. for you. We, we want to leave on a, a positive note. Yeah. Um, uh, these are, we call them our little fun questions, okay? So it's, uh, I'll give you five, and then Courtney and Jesse have a couple questions for you as well. Um, my question for you is, if you could interview anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um, who would I want to interview that's dead or alive? Well, i got to be honest. I mean, you know, he's, he's probably the, the most famous person in the world right now, and it's Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, I would love to sit and talk to him. And, and just feel him. To, and nothing weird about that. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if, if it wasn't Barack, um, uh, honestly, on, on, the, on the other topic, and not to get maudlin again, but uh, um, it would be my grandparents. Oh, cool. yeah. Because I'd love, I'd love to pick their brain yeah. and, and see what kind of people they are, you know, and why they were so the way they were. Yeah. Honestly, you know, yeah. because I don't know what they look like. I'm... Anything like that. So, yeah. dead or alive, you got it. Got that. Okay. Um, who was a better Malcolm Winters, uh, Shamar Moore or Darius McRae? Well, now, you know, <laughs> this is almost like, you know what? You might, I might as well be on 105.9, Big Boy in the Morning, and on a raft now. Okay, so let's do that. All right, Shamar and Darius are drowning in, this, in the middle of the ocean. Who are you going to save? Who, who am I going to save? Who All right, thank you, Big Boy. Um, damn. Okay, I heard Luda say yesterday, he said he would he would do something with some medicinal stuff and then float away on the raft, <laughs> float away so that they could both grab the raft. They could both grab it. But that I like I, that. that I, I like that. I, I, that I'm not going to say. I'm going to say you asked about who's a better. They were different interpretations, right. but I'm going to say this: Shamar created, yeah. originated the role, and ultimately okay. was a better Malcolm. Okay. Because of he was Malcolm. Yeah. Darius had to fill some huge shoes, huge shoes. Very and a true. totally different Malcolm. Darius is a totally different dude than Shamar. I mean, you know, Darius is down with his music. Yeah. Um, an incredible, talented musician if you never had him on. Um, so anyway, that's that. I know I'm going to hear it from both of them. No, it's okay. You, you can blame me. You Darius, blame me. you just, you just drowned. You just drowned, brother. Hold your breath. Hold your breath. What would be your dream role besides Dad and Neil Winters? What would be your dream role? I'm coming, Darius, I swear. As soon as I'm done with the show. What would be my dream job? Yes. Oh, dream any, role. Dream, dream role. role? Yes. You know, 
I want to. This is strange for being a dude who wants to be on an island, and uh, but I, I I could also be a law in law enforcement. I wanted to be a police officer, and I was just about to start taking. Um, uh, do the internship. It's not an internship. I can't even remember what it's called. Uh, but my dream job would be a CSI type of deal. Oh, okay. Yeah, to do CSI kind of, or you know, what Shamar's doing. I want to play that. I want to have a gun on my side, <laughs> and I want to run after the bad guy. The well, maybe guy. there's a double the acting gig for you. Oh, Neil Winters by day, CSI agent by night. There you go. <laughs> Your lips to God's ear. <laughs> you know? The, the other one would be like a doctor on, on, on like a Grey's Anatomy. That would be my other dream primetime job a yeah. doc or a, a police officer right what would be your dream job if you were on tv i don't know come on don't <laughs> say i don't know think of something there's got to be something maybe a spongebob role maybe you could be sandy under the sea on SpongeBob. <laughs> the sandy the squirrel no okay no. all right and last question for me what's your most embarrassing moment you had on set on any set Oh, God. Well, I just went to the most embarrassing moment of my life. You, you want to hear that, rather? Yeah. Third grade, sitting next to uh, Lisa Thomas and her best friend, Becky Kretzinger. Wow. And we used to call her Crap Stinker. And Joey Pichettino was her boyfriend, third grade, and we were playing. Uh, we were throwing the ball back and forth. It was tables and around. Ball got thrown to me, hit me in the stomach, and I farted the loudest fart I've ever farted. <laughs> and the whole room cracked up, and all I was worried about was Lisa Thomas. And I looked over at her, and she was like, oh, you're the... <laughs> I, I, I cried on my way home that day. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the story. Pretty, uh, that, that's a winner. That's a, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can beat that one. All right, well, just due to time, we'll, we'll just going to maybe get to, uh, Jesse, your questions. Uh, since you're a, a vegetarian, yeah. what vegetable do you hate the most? Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of yams. Yes. I, yeah, even though they're great protein, I'm just not a big fan of yams. Uh, uh, pie? All right. Nah, what, I don't like pumpkin either. What was the last thing you regret buying? Um, my my house, my last house. That was that was the last big purchase that I made that I I really shouldn't have. All right. And then, if you could relive any day in your life, what day would it be? Oh gosh, wedding. Uh, my wedding. No. <laughs> Is that what you just said? Yes. I think that's what I heard. Wedding to <laughs> to your mama, right? No. To who? I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see, you're trying to be politically correct, too, now. See, you're, you're built I for this it. business. You she are. I love it. She is. I don't know if I answered your question. What was it? What was your question? If you could relive any day. Oh, yeah. What day would it be? Um, well, uh, oh, gosh. I, I, now you got me messed up with that last one, man. You know, I'm a ride to ride home to now. Right. <laughs> I, I, I was there for all three children being born, but... Those three days were probably the most auspicious days I've had as a man in my life. And if I could relive the birth again, to see that, to witness it, it was very special. Wow. And any, any three of them. But since I, so, yours, <laughs> your, I would like exactly. to relive the day that Lola's you were born. Lola's Christoph, where can your fans find you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I'm on Twitter. Um, Christoph St. John 1, I'm on Facebook. I got two different pages. I don't know why. One's a fan page. One's the other, another fan page with a bunch of friends. And, uh, and I'm on Instagram, too, as Christoph St. John. Courtney, where can your fans find you? You can find me on Twitter at Stuart Starlet. At DJ Jesse J. 
And you can find me at Dario Christian on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you guys for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live Portraits with Christoph St. John. You know him as Neil Winters on Young and the Restless. Be sure to tune in every day and watch him on CBS. And we'll see you next week. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Dario Christian, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. If you have questions or comments, tweet us at BHL Online or email us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. For more exclusive content, visit blackhollywoodlive.com. This has been a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.